General Nerdery. General Nerdery, the Snyder Cuts. But it won't be four hours long, because if we ever do an episode like that, I will set myself and this house on fire. Yo, if we do a four-hour episode, but it's cut into seven parts, I don't mind that. Oh, man, we are going to have words about that That choice. I mean, cut into seven parts means a way shorter episode than we normally would record. Uh, Yes, but I mean, when we get to Justice League in, in particular... I'm Tyler. I'm Zach. Welcome to General Nerdery, a podcast about liking things. As you can probably tell, this week we will be discussing Justice League, the Snyder Cut. Zack Snyder's Justice League. I think is the official name. <laughs> there are actually a lot of... This movie was a lot like Wonder Woman 84 to me of I think it's a giant train wreck the more I think about it. But there were scenes that I really, really enjoyed. We're going to get into it. This is going to be a, <laughs> we're going to have way different opinions, but we came at this movie from way different places too. Mm-hmm. So um, before we get there, uh, let's start with what have we been ingesting this week or the past couple weeks, I guess. Mostly the Magnus Archives and Briscoe County Jr. Still oh, a nice. lot of Spider-Man on the PS4, mm-hmm. but I've talked about all of those already. So I guess, um... Ben Riley, The Scarlet Spider by Peter David. Okay. Uh, recent series ran for about 20 issues. Ben Riley is the end result of the Clone Saga, a very famous Spider-Man clusterfuck of a storyline. He's a clone of Peter. Uh, they recently brought him back to life, gave him his own series. They got Peter David, who has a long, long Spider-Man history, to write it. It was fine. It had potential, but I think it got canceled before it was. Mm. So Peter David hasn't always accepted that most comic series last about 12 issues anymore. So. So his setup's like 12 issues. And yeah, then... like it was. And you know what? It improves quickly and it has a whole lot of ongoing. But you can tell that the last storyline, he was like, I was not ready to tell this part of the story, but I need to get this shit done. Mm. <laughs> nice. Mark Bagley does the opening art. He has a long history with okay. it. I liked it. I am, I do not sound like I liked it, but I actually did quite enjoy this. It's just, it wasn't like top of the line work of any of these creators. Gotcha. Mine's fun. I wanted to continue with Briscoe, but I have other shit going on in my life that I have to get to. So I rewatched The Magnificent Seven to help start getting myself ready for that Western project I'm in. That was amazing that movie seven is so good holds up so well it slaps yeah it's this is not the first time i will use uh, slang that i or not the last time i will use slang that i'm wildly unqualified to use fair warning and it's it's one of those weird movies where you're like fucking steve mcqueen yule brenner and charlie bronson every time they're on screen even if they're just standing there you understand why they were like some of the biggest movie stars in the world. Oh, you'll their presence is, is insane. Mm-hmm. However, I also was almost rolling on the floor laughing every time they tried to cover Yul Brenner's accent by saying he's Cajun. <laughs> Where is he from originally? Oh, uh, ooh, that's a good question. I should have looked that up. He's not Cajun. <laughs> It's fine. He was gambling on a riverboat. Now he has a Cajun accent that's not. Uh, yeah, he's Russian-American. 
That makes sense, actually. I can see that. And I believe, I believe, grew up in uh, like Eastern Russia. Yeah, that's not Cajun. Look, man, if he's not French, don't say, like, don't even pretend Cajun. Oh, man. Um, French isn't even that close anymore either. It's just. Right. It's (laughs) just uh, closer than Russian. Yeah. By a long shot. Where are you from, Yul Brynner? Was born in Russia. Now I'm Wild West Cowboy. Is good. (laughs) Um. But then the other cool thing was, like, I finally got my Xbox Series X, so I started on, on Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Ooh, I do hear that's a lot And of fun. it is fantastic so far, but I'm only, like, four hours in, because life. Mm-hmm. Getting things done. Working full-time jobs, and between us, we're now running. Snyder Cut being four hours long. We're each doing four <laughs> podcasts, and three of them are together. Like uh, Snyder Cut being four hours long. Good Lord, man. Uh, plus I rewatched Justice League just so I'd have it more fresh in my mind for the differences. We're going to talk about this. We purposely (laughs) chose not to have me watch Justice League. I kind of wish we would have purposely had you watch them in reverse order, but. Yeah, part of me wants to watch it now out of curiosity, but I think we would have been like, well, I didn't do that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Because I ran out of time. Yeah, I think we chose the more realistic route. <laughs> but I did fit in Justice League, and I kind of wish I hadn't. But I was supposed to watch Batman versus Superman before this, and guess what I did not do? Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I I think you would have bigger problems with that movie than this one. Oh, yeah. And I have complicated thoughts about this one. Is yeah. just where I'm at. Um, yeah, that's it. I mean, Valhalla's fun. Oh, my God. And just checking out, like... The upgrades to the games I already had. That's been fun. Not all of them have gotten massive upgrades yet, but even just like resolution and frame rate upgrades have been. Oh my god! For Honor, a fighting game, the frame rate is doubled, which is insane. Without even trying, I am parrying three times as often because I can see the animations like, that well, much. This better. is what's happening. Yeah, I was informed that part of the reason I'm so bad at Mortal Kombat is because I'm playing it on a Nintendo Switch, and it's just... Oh, yeah, and so it's frame-locked at, like... (laughs) It's just like, oh, God, what's happening Mm -hmm. right now? (laughs) So that's been insane, finding out that I'm actually a better player than I thought I was. Good. Yeah, Um, that's it, though. All right. Um, Ironically, right after I got feedback of people really like our way of doing the new structure lately, we aren't doing our normal new structure... (laughs) Look, I. It happens to be that like a month and a half ago, we chose like this was the day that we were going to do Snyder Cut. And six days ago, the Hollywood Reporter dropped a gigantic piece, finally laying out what happened with Ray Fisher. And even then, still being pretty vague on a lot of specifics, but like a real account of everything Ray Fisher's been sort of talking about. Let's. Even though that's the downer, let's end with that because that goes straight into Justice League. Let's talk about something happy really quick because we did just watch the April Fool's Day trailer for Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can definitely tell that one is designed for TV with the amount that I was like, oh, they're about to hear that guy. Nope, not going to show us that bit. Oh, he's going to say the fuck word right there. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope, this is not the Red Band trailer. That is clearly not what Idris is saying, but we can hear him say, uh, oh my God, or something mm-hmm. like that. 
<laughs> oh god, it makes me think. Uh, Grizz, who's been on our podcast before, found the kids' bop lyrics for uh, WAP. Oh no! And it's all about drinking water. That's it's cursed. What? It's like what? Just don't, just don't do WAP. Like if you're going to change every word, that does are my. <laughs> So it was like a bad weird Al Yankovic song. This this is way off topic, but that reminds me, and I have to bring this up because it's one of my favorite things in the world. At work, we sometimes throw on like some throwback Thursday action, a lot of like hip hop and shit. And and, you know, it's all the radio edits. I might (laughs) have found my favorite radio radio edit in the world, and it's Ludacris's area codes. Because I don't know the song well enough to. Well, the infamous I've got hoes. Okay. In different area codes. Yeah, okay. Gets turned to I've got bros. Wow, that wildly changes that <laughs> song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or at least the sexuality of the singer in that I mean not a bad thing, but <laughs> But it is wild to suddenly be like <laughs> I've got I wait, I've got what? I've got bros in different area codes. All right. I I didn't know Luda, but... Ooh. <laughs> but to back to Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am more excited about this movie than I have been for any other DC movie other than possibly Harley Quinn and the Fantabulous... No. Birds of Prey and Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Or just Birds of Prey. Yeah. <laughs> Harley um, Quinn and the Birds of Prey now. James Gunn is bringing it. James Gunn is bringing it. James Gunn looks like he's having... Everyone looks like they're having fun. Like, And especially John Cena. Yeah. 100% understand why they're giving Peacemaker his own miniseries now. It feels so different than like... I mean, we've talked about how good the trailer was for the first Suicide Squad. The David Iyer one. Oh, yeah. But no one talked about it. Like, they, they tried to have that, like... Yeah, we have strong feelings about this movie. Great bonding. We all got squad tattooed on ourselves somewhere small where we could hide it. Mm-hmm. These ones legitimately seem like they're having fun. And that makes me excited for... It could still be a mess, but at least it looks like a mess that they enjoyed making. Like Now, uh, compared to the first trailer we watched, we got to see more of the characters. Mm-hmm. What do you think? It looks like they're trying to give Ratcatcher emotional development, and I don't even know how to fathom those words that just came out of my mouth. Um, yeah, Ratcatcher looks like she's going to have a lot bigger part than I would have ever guessed. Never go back to weird white guy version of Ratcatcher after this comes out. Just, this looks so much better. Uh, TDK? We get to see arms just floating. Yeah, we we see Nathan Fillion playing arm fall off boy. I mean, they call him TDK, but still. And acknowledging how surreal that is. Uh, David Dasmalchen, we get some polka dot, polka dot throwing action. That look, yeah, all of this. He looks like he's going to survive through this movie. I'm placing my bet right now. Because he's clearly the one that doesn't want to. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really curious what his whole thing is, because he's 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 the the, one going in with a death wish. He's the polka dot man and doesn't want to have to live with that? That's like putting Kite Man on the Suicide Squad. Kite Man, hell yeah. Except Kite Man has a surprising (laughs) amount of, like, 
respectable self-confidence to him in the Harley Quinn. Um, okay, so that was happy. Now what's not happy is what happened to Ray Fisher. Jesus Christ. Give that man a movie again with none of these people involved. So we don't have to go super deep into it and spend a shit ton of time on it. You can, It's really easy to go just read the entire piece for yourself over at The Hollywood Reporter. But what were some of the big things you took away from it that were insane? Because some of this we kind of knew about. And some of this, I guess we just didn't realize how it was connected. The weirdest part of this to me, I mean, there was a lot of annoying things going on about that, but this was clearly a troubled, I mean, even before Whedon stepped on, this was a troubled movie-making process, even if Fisher was really in with Snyder. Mm -hmm. But the booyah scene... Like, I think it's weird that people are already so obsessed with Cyborg saying Booyah as much as I enjoy Cyborg saying Booyah in the cartoon. Mm-hmm. I understand why Ray Fisher's like, this feels weird and I don't want to do it. I think it's fucking uh, super strange that they, uh, the, the studio got so obsessive with making sure it With happened. making him say it. And making him come in one day just to say the word booyah and leave and like. Wow, Joss is. Joss looks bad and all this. And there are points where I see him, I think, being the like, I'm not racist. I have black friends. I'm not sexist. I wrote Buffy. But not being willing to take critiques of like Mm -hmm. places where Buffy failed or places where Buffy was good for 1995 but is bad today. Beyond just the fact that apparently he's a creep. But he's like, he comes on stage and uh, uh, Joss apparently quotes Shakespeare at him being like, give me the line, I beseech you. That feels like Joss is trying so hard to be like, this was weird and uncomfortable, but like, it's okay. I promise. But just being super douchey. That does not forgive every other part where Joss was involved. Yeah. The douchey is what jumped out at me. Like, he can be shitty, but I didn't realize he was douchey about his shittiness. All of that, that whole, that whole thing that you were just talking about, the way that that played out, he just, it felt he reminded, he reminded me of like, like that drama kid that's always on. Oh, I hated that. Everyone hated that kid. You know, yeah, you know what I'm saying <laughs> though. Like, ah. Uh, Except then given a position of power. Oh my god. And not just power, but like... We had kind of put Whedon in the position of nerd god. And then we turned on him really hard after Age of Ultron sucked. And it sucked. So Mm -hmm. like... uh, And Whedon has always been uneven, if we're being really honest. Like, Buffy's more good than it's not. And Firefly was great, but it only lasted 13 episodes. I never liked Angel. Dollhouse was... I liked Angel. That's fine. Yeah. Just because I don't like something doesn't mean... Oh, yeah. I just... I was thinking back, like, I watched a ton of Angel. (laughs) David Borneos never, like, clicked with me in that. He's so much better in Bones. Um, True. True. But, like, you know, Dollhouse was never that great. And I'm trying to even think of other stuff he did. Really, it's like Firefly and the Avengers were great, so 
roll with it. And Avengers is forgettable in a lot of ways. Like, I really enjoy that movie. I'll still stand by that being a, like one of the better popcorn movies because the, the levels are a lot better balanced than some of the other ones. Mm -hmm. But nothing about that particularly screams Whedon to me. No, no. It's like the least Whedon-y Whedon project I've ever seen. It's very comic booky, which is why we all loved it. Oh, I, I want to watch it. Now. I don't want to. I wanted to watch it until I read this article. Now I think I need to give it a little while. Um, okay, so about the Jeff Johns of it all. Jeff Johns comes across as the world's biggest tool in all of this, and in a couple ways too. He's um, kind of a tool, but I would also reckon he's a, that he's very much a tool for. For the Warner higher-ups. That made claims, and it was uh, Jeff's job to deal with them. Um, I've been reading Jeff since high school. Jeff Johns wrote one of my all-time favorite Teen Titans runs. The only reason it's not, like, my top Teen Titans run is he clearly got bored with it after he, like, after his star exploded. Mm -hmm. and it was the book that suffered for it. Uh, he wrote Infinite Crisis, which I think is one of the better crossovers ever done. Not Crisis on Infinite Earths, but the like 20 year anniversary big crossover. Oh, right, right. Um, there are a lot of things. Oh, he wrote Justice Society, which I thought was a great book for the most part. But I have, he's one of those creators that I got, I've been more bored with the older I get. And I think it's because he's bored. Mm. And so I just like, it hasn't felt like he's really cared about the comics he's making in several years now. And it shows. And I think part of that is he got pulled into the, like, we're making the movies now, too. And the passion wasn't there either. I think the passion wasn't there anymore in the comics. And so he went more to the movie side. And to be fair, like, especially in, like, the where the level he is at very much a storyteller's medium still. He's still getting to make big story decisions. I don't know if he should be that high up. Like, I think maybe he's technically qualified for his position, but the reason he has his position is because Warner Brothers can say, Jeff John says this. Yeah. The and, big comic book guy and then, says this. I mean, and Jeff was... himself seems to be very passive. He doesn't, whenever it gets confrontational, he hides behind his reps. And you know his reps are talking to corporate jeff was dc's golden boy and i think he got promoted too far and, you know you meet people like this i, I think he'd be perfect like, like two or three more levels down yeah where there's a person who's really great at their job and so you promote them because they're really but what it, it turns out is what they're great at is that job you put them one level too high up and they might not be the worst but they're not good at it either and i kind of feel like i don't know if it's maybe jeff needs people to tell him no i think or... he just needs different people around him yeah and i'm thinking of like tell him no that might be a comics thing but there was a whole lot of i don't know i feel like jeff a lot of times also is might be one of those people of like you can't i mean one of the things they talk about is him not letting adam strange be gay you can't mm -hmm. let Adam Strange be gay. He's uh, in Krypton. He's not gay in the comic books. If we invented a new Adam Strange, that would be fine. But, like, 
Yeah. I, I don't care for that person generally. Like, um, cause he seems to go the times he does. The only times he's not passive is when he goes on the defensive and he doesn't go on and, the defensive. Well, yeah, he, he clams up rather than owning up to like his shit. He just doubles down. Some of the stuff that was talked about is like they wanted to make uh, Superman. This is in Krypton. They wanted to make Superman's uh, grandfather be black and have the guy from Bridgerton. Bridgerton. I'm sorry. I don't know what his name is. I've never watched Bridgerton or Krypton. Yeah. Something Renee Page, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, everything Reggie, I hear, you're great. Reggie. I just, I'm sorry. I just don't know you. I think his um, first name starts with an R. But, uh, but he's like, oh, no. Superman's grandfather can't be black. Like, that's... Why not, Jeff? Why not? Or, like, oh, I'm gonna tell a black woman, like, how black hair works. Get fucked, dude. Or, I don't know, just stuff like that. And they tried to... His uh, team, the people that replied to him in this article, were like, oh, he wrote Cyborg before, so obviously he would have been in the right of making him say booyah, even though... Cyborg never once says booyah in Jeff's entire run with the character across two ba major like storybooks that he did. When this um, movie came out, Cyborg had yet to ever say it in the comics. Mm -hmm. And even now, it's still not a thing. No, um, I think they've had him do it a couple times now, but, but it never seems quite. It's not a thing. Uh, or he's like, I'm famous for making uh, books multi racial after you know what was once a bunch of white men but he does it by bringing in other people's creations for the most part like mr terrific in his version uh became a black man and led the justice society but it wasn't his mr terrific uh john ostrander created that character mm. or they're like oh yeah he was co-writing the book that batwoman came out as a lisp was recreated as a lesbian but greg rucka wrote those sections I don't necessarily think he's actively homophobic or actively racist, but I sure think he's he's passively. He's comfortable being in the position he's in. And so he's racist by the fact that he upholds other people's racist mm -hmm. shit. Or he knows better because he writes comic books. Or, I mean, at the end of the day, if there's two people arguing and he's in between the two, and one of them's paying his pay his fucking paychecks. He's gonna side with the paychecks guy, which I understand honestly, but also it sucks. This is fraught. Yeah, this whole thing. Nothing about the filming of this movie, even before Whedon, sounded fun to me. And it sure sounds like some of the actors had more fun during the Snyder eras. But like, um, I don't know, man. We've probably already been on this for too long, but I would recommend people go read it, even though it sucks. If you want to see how messed up behind the scenes of Hollywood can be, even when they're trying to do representation, the most, not the most, it, this is the least annoying thing, but it's also the thing that like stuck to me in a really annoying way was that they were so determined to make this movie like lighter and brighter which I'm 100% on board with. But the way they did it was by making every part of the process toxic as fuck. Man, that sucks. Yeah. Because my critique of this movie is, God, I wish it was a little lighter and brighter. But, um... <laughs> yeah. 
I get that, but we can talk about that because I think that just ties into Snyder's vision of what superheroes are. Yeah. We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about that. Okay, I'm going to lead in on this. Because oh. I want to, I'm right out the gate. Because we came at this from two very different, I had watched Justice League twice, three times before going yeah. into this total, uh, and not all that long ago. It actually took me a while to get to it, but that's neither here nor there. You haven't seen it at all. I haven't seen Justice League. I haven't seen Batman versus Superman. I didn't see the first Suicide Squad. So um, I'm curious. Um, maybe I was going to say give me three, but maybe that's that's a lot for right off the top. Going without going into too much detail yet, we can go into detail here in a little bit. What your what were your two favorite things and two least favorite things? And I'll let you know if they were even in the original cut. Okay, so I should say. Oh, did you look up info on it? No, I oh. I didn't much. I, I was going to say, I should say, this movie was not made for me. Like, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean when, mm-hmm. like, talking about a movie and you're like, this isn't, I can see why people like this, but this is not for me. Because Snyder and I have really different views of what superheroes should be or what superheroes can be. Like, at their core, not just what you can do with them. Right. And that shows yes uh i would say that that ties very heavily into the themes of these movies yes then there were bits where i was like there this is what's working this is so there are great moments um two things i really liked and two things i didn't like let's go i'll go first thing and i know this wasn't in there was the apocalyptic future dark superman prophecy thing okay yeah yeah yeah. i know that wasn't in the justice league yeah the the nightmare i don't give a single solitary fuck about any of the nightmare. I, I Superman Gone Evil is the least interesting thing to me out there to do with the character. I get why it appeals to people, but it has become the story to tell. We've seen it too many times. Now see, things I did like. This shouldn't be that hard. All of the characters, I thought all the actors were pretty much on fire. Uh, but that's not... I'm yeah, were there any, like, little sequences or anything? Commissioner Gordon's scenes. Okay, yeah, those weren't there for the most part. I... But, or they were they were there, but very truncated. There was only what you needed. I am so sad we're not getting J.K. Simmons as Commissioner Gordon. He's so good, He right? was a lot of fun there. I really enjoyed that. Uh, and, I mean, part of it is because J.K. Simmons can play Hammy, but, like, in a really believable way. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Irons as Alfred. I loved every moment Jeremy Irons was on. Yeah, I would say theatrical cut. Alfred probably has a quarter of the screen time as he does in this cut. The this is Alfred. I work for him. CC and I. We both laughed hard at that. Not in like, the theatrical. Not in um, Justice League. <laughs> that was oh god! It's the best line in in the whole movie. Oh, other thing I hated. There's like one rule to Batman. Batman don't use guns. He uses guns in like every scene, every fight moment he has in this stupid movie. Not stupid movie. In this movie. It's weird because having, I agree with you, like as a concept as for who Batman is, but having gone through these movies in order, that's actually a growth point for him since in BVS he was uh, torturing and branding people. God damn. 
But like there was a specific moment where he's like, I'm going to hold them off for you for a while. And they're breaking into his whatever the flying ship thing mm-hmm. is. And he sh- and they're like, Bruce, are you going to be okay, Bruce? And he shuts off the lights. And I'm like, oh, they're going to do like my favorite Batman thing. Because I was 100% expecting it to be the next time you see Bruce Wayne, the lights are going to go back on. He's walking away and like everyone's knocked out on the floor. Mm-hmm. And they don't even show you what happens. I love when they do that breakaway scene. What are you going to do? You're the Batman. Batman smiles. They break away. And then like when you come back, he's just like floored the entire team. It's a cheesy Batman moment that I just live for. But instead, their answer was he turns off the lights and then uses machine guns. You have Batman. You already did the Batarang. Like, and how it's a, like, cool thing. And there was no payoff to that, like, moment with the Batarang. Yeah, that was weird. Especially, although, that is the one, even though you get brutal branding people, Batman and BVS, Mm -hmm. that movie is the one where they have him moving the most like Batman, like Batman, like a hundred percent. Like he's fighting. He looks like Batman when he's on the move. I'll get it out there. I mostly like Batfleck. He's pretty damn good, right? I want a little more emotion out of him, but I honestly blame Snyder more for that than I do Batfleck because I wanted a little more emotion out of everyone, but Momoa. Momoa just, (laughs) <laughs> plays Momoa and I'm here for it like Momoa is not a great actor he's just really fun to have so like who cares just let him be Jason Momoa for a while so the four hours bit doesn't need to be four hours I think there's a way better three hour film in this this movie couldn't decide if it wanted to be a TV show or a movie so it got stuck somewhere in between the two in like the pacing from hell I watched this movie in two sittings because I wasn't doing four hours in one go, especially because I get up at four or five in the morning most days. We paused. I don't know why this is the thing that stuck with me. We paused at an hour and 52 minutes. It's right when part four starts, I think. It's the Commissioner Gordon bat signal scene. And I was like, yeah, this movie's starting to take off. At an hour and 52 minutes, this movie should be well past starting to take off. I looked it up. Into the Spider-Verse is an hour and 59 minutes total, and I think that includes the credits. Okay. Into the Spider-Verse slaps from the very first scene, from the very first sentence of Peter, whichever Parker that one is, the Chris Pine version going, Mm -hmm. all right, let's tell this story one last time. I think about that line, and I want to go watch Into the Spider-Verse. And I'm not saying I won't watch Justice League again, but man, it's going to be a while. I don't know if I'm going to watch it again soon. I will say that I don't know if I'm ever going to watch the theatrical cut again. I find this I version no to be... The theatrical cut. I, I just... find this version <laughs> to be, like, 300% better. Every review I've heard has said that. As someone who has not seen the theatrical cut... It's harder for me to be like, oh, this is so much better. I can see why it would be better. Like, at least this was, you know, whatever my issues with it, it had one clear vision. And trying to mix this creative vision with Joss Whedon is a terrible idea. Even if Whedon wasn't a weird creep. But just, you know, like, Whedon's style doesn't mesh with this. No. 
and that stands out even more upon watching them back to back as I did. Like, I don't want this to just turn into like me listing off the differences, but I do want to talk about some of these because some of these things are fucking. This is why we did this because I wanted we wanted to hear me be like, wait, what? Okay, so Steppenwolf in the theatrical cut has about as much screen time as Ronan the Accuser does in Guardians of the Galaxy. So even less than he already has in this one. So like he doesn't have an actual character arc or anything. He's just, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. They only vaguely say why he's even attacking Earth in the theatrical cut. Okay, so here's where we are going to put in one of my critiques. They took the new gods. They took the evil new gods too, like the interesting ones. Yeah, because I, honestly I don't care about the. Side. Orion. Actually, I really like Mr. Miracle and Big Barda, but the re- otherwise, okay. I don't really give a Beyond fuck. Beyond Mr. Miracle. And Big Barda. Yeah. Um, they, they took some of the greatest characters in DC's comic staple, and they took out all of the Jack Kirby flavor in their stylings. You know, Steppenwolf looks nothing like Steppenwolf does in the comic books, other than he has those weird kind of horned things that he has. Dark side looks closest, but even then they took all of the like space gods flavor out of it and they look obnoxiously generic to me. Oh, see, I was blown away every second that I saw them considering how generic Steppenwolf looked in the theatrical cut. Oh, dear Lord. Um, but like I mentioned that I felt like they were doing dark side kind of dirty and CeCe's like, I don't why Why do you care about this guy? He just looks like every other forgettable big he looks like thanos and one hearing thanos as a forgettable character hurts my comic book soul because jim starlin writes a weird thanos comic but like no no thanos is the ripoff of dark side like dark side needs to 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 feel dangerous and he didn't hear okay you're showing me the different looks i think the just the justice league thing uh, Steppenwolf looks closer to what Steppenwolf looks like in the comics. I will give it that. But he also looks like he should be in Highlander. Yeah. He's the Kurgan. There's there's nothing outer spacey about his outfit. No. that's It doesn't work. No, I, I love the Steppenwolf redesign. The, the His scintillating metal was... <laughs> I think he looks cool. It's just none of it screamed new gods to me was my oh, problem. I can understand that. Yeah, yeah. Like the only part that did was Darkseid's head. One of the things that's going to determine whether you enjoy any of Snyder's work on superheroes is whether you can get down with Snyder's version of superheroes. And I think it's best described as, you know how we tend to describe DC and how, like, compared to Marvel, it's more like, they're the gods. Whereas, like, Marvel's like, they're the more, like, relatable and real mm-hmm. people. Except they're not really, or else we wouldn't get into the stories. It's just comparatively they feel that way. Snyder actually views them as, like, the mythological beings. Yeah, I can see it. Thematically, that's kind of what this is all about. This was supposed to kick off... Well, Justice League was originally supposed to be a trilogy, but it was kind of also the beginning of what he was going to consider his New Gods trilogy, which this movie sets it up and bookends it pretty well. The idea is, of course, being that the superheroes are the true New Gods, 
You have the new gods originally being beaten uh, in the flashback, so technically at the beginning, mm -hmm. as it were, uh, by the human old gods. And so if the old gods beat them the first time, then that means that if they're able, if the new ones are able to come together and beat the so-called new gods, then wouldn't they truly be the new gods? Which coincides with the fact that Snyder has already been setting up like a Jesus parallel with uh, Superman to show uh, divinity expressed through superhero -dom. And that, I think, actually more than anything kind of hits our split. I get why Jesus or Superman is so often a Jesus parallel. I understand the appeal of that. But I'm also like, he was created by two Jewish dudes. Maybe we shouldn't make him like... And that's the thing. I feel like in this movie, he pulled back on that. He did and, a lot. Uh, it was more to set up the fact that like, no, these are... I got you to think of him as Jesus, didn't I? Well, that's because these are the new gods. Uh, and, you know, at the same time, he and I are very much agreed on Superman as a symbol of hope. So, mm -hmm. like, I get it. Um, I feel like there's a line from Grant Morrison's Justice League run where Metron has, I think he has Kyle Rayner Green Lantern with him, but he has one of the Justice Leaguers with him, and he's showing him these things that are happening because he needs to understand for what's going to go down. And he says, uh, as we were the fourth world you will be the fifth because the new gods, we just knew them as the new gods now, but that used to be called the fourth world saga mm -hmm. with the idea that like Odin and Thor and them were the third world. Oh, okay. Uh, Cause it's heavily implied that like Marvel Thor was the gods that the new gods were born, like old gods. And then they're the new gods. Uh, originally it was supposed to be a far future Marvel story that they changed when he went to DC and decided to make it. So I feel like he had that line, but I just, none of this had the passion that I want from, like, these are gods. It should feel, none of it should feel gray to me. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And part of it is, I think, the abysmal pacing that I will, I mean, I know some people who love the pacing, so tell me to shut the fuck up. That's fine. But, like... That he was definitely overindulgent in some of the shit. The, the fucking journey to Iceland could have been uh, half as long and still gotten the point across of it being a long, arduous, epic journey. The only stuff that I feel like didn't need to be shorter than it was was the cyborg moments. I really enjoyed the cyborg moments. Okay, so... That's a Joss difference there. Uh, there was about a thousand percent more cyborg in this version. The theatrical, think of this version, take the bare minimum of what you would need of Cyborg to make the story make sense and add in like one more scene. Yeah, they mentioned in the Hollywood Reporter that uh, they took out the entire thing about his mom and like the accident that made him become Cyborg. How do they explain that he's a Cyborg if they don't have that moment? Just mother box nonsense. Just the mother box, what, the mother box appeared and... Kind of. It, it gets... It, it, I mean, you know that his father had something to do with it and that it was mother boxy and, like, they make it clear that an accident happened. Oh, so literally everything to do with Cyborg got taken out. And also at the end, his father lives and they embrace happily having made up. I mean, I wasn't... Happy about Silas dying, but also Silas dying is a long-standing part of Cyborg's story. 
Um, my one critique here is as much as I love Cyborg in the Justice League, I want him to have been a Titan first just because mm. I like that generational aspect. I do too. And I like the, but I understand why that wasn't an option if you're going to make him a founding leaguer. Okay. I do think killing the black parents is a little problematic, but I also find whatever. No one has alive parents in this other than Barry. Uh, we did have fun with the joke that Martian Manhunter, and we'll talk about him more later. It was secretly Martha all along, and I mean, like, always. <laughs> <laughs> like, even Jonathan didn't know that he was married to John. Or he did, and it was just John and John. Um, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> right? I would watch that. Uh, oh, that's what I was going to say. The guy who plays Cyborg's dad. I love him. Oh, yeah. But how fascinating is it to be typecast as a brilliant black scientist? Like all the time? I've seen him in three roles. He's super memorable in all three roles that I can think of him in. But he's basically playing the same character. Mm -hmm. Because he's playing... He's Philip Dyson. That's from um, uh, T Terminator yep. 2. And then he plays Henry in Eureka, which I loved that show. And he played a brilliant black scientist. And he played Silas Stone in this. Like he's got... One lane, apparently, but he's really good at that lane. I wonder if that's annoying for him or at all, or if he's just like, whatever. <laughs> I don't want to put words in the man's mouth, but I have to feel like, uh, considering most of the time black men, that is not the role they're forced into. It, yeah, I mean, it's I can see it being better than a lot of like black stereotype roles, mm -hmm. but I just... What interesting typecasting. Um, oh, I had actually one thing that I never quite understood for him and I don't, they never answer it. So it doesn't matter. I just wonder if there was like a deleted scene or something when he's leaving at like 1130 and they're like, Oh, early night, huh? And he's like, Hey, bye, Mr. Jander guys, give my best to your family. And the Jander dude just like glares at him. Oh yeah. Do we know why? Cause like, that's just a nice, like. Yeah, I don't nice know. Nice random platitude, you son of a bitch. What is wrong with you, Mr. Jander, man? You started this, like, small talk conversation. Not important, but it just was weird to me. That's true. Let's talk about Martian Manhunter. Okay, so that's the part that I felt like was most unnecessary and tacked on. You were correct, but that man Martian Manhunter design was absolute fire. It was... I would change nothing about it other than the fact that he was completely unnecessary in this movie and it actually weakens the movie and the character to have him in here. Because he's like, yes, I see that you are in fact worthy of having my help. Yes, I see you have in fact uh, saved the world. I didn't think the heroes ever could do that. Now I will help you. Where were you a week ago, you fucking asshole? Martian Manhunter is my favorite Justice Leader. I do have to say that he has one of my favorite weird little moments in this, though, too, because he's the one. He's the one that tells Lois. He's the one that believes in Lois having to be important as well. Mm -hmm. I him walking away and being like, the world needs you too, Lois Lane, like almost made me choke up for a second. I'm like, she she is. No, I I actually like that scene. It just it's another one of those. This Ooh, speaking of which, like, uh, the Justice Cut version of that scene. Because uh, that scene happens much earlier in the film, but in a much different context. Okay, tell me. It's ob 
like Martian Manhunter. It's obviously just Martha. It's not Martian Which is Manhunter. fine. I actually, it almost works better. When she comes back and she, like, when real Martha pops up, is uh, Lois like, it's like you told me. And she's like, what the fuck are you talking about, crazy lady? Um, Yeah, so a lot of the dialogue is pretty similar. A couple of the lines, there's a couple lines that are just completely dropped. Some are altered just a word or two. That happens. But it occurs at the Daily Planet because... Lois just went back to work instead of actually mourning Clark at all. Except she's intentionally, as a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist, she's now intentionally only taking puff pieces on like kittens and shit. And their talk gets interrupted halfway through with uh, one of her coworkers trying to snipe one of her fucking leads from her. And there's also a quip in the middle where Martha uh, messes up and says Clark was like, said something like, oh, yeah, he always said that. Oh, they were because they were having lunch and shit. It's like, oh, yeah, Clark always said that you were the the thirstiest, thirstiest young lady he'd ever met. And then there's an awkward silence for a beat or two. And he's like, oh, hungriest, hungriest. I just. Yeah, that's. It's just unnecessary. Like, it takes out any gravitas of that scene. I mean, so does making her secretly be the Martian Manhunter. But uh, but in a different way? In a that much at least... less problematic way. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think Joss gives a shit about superheroes' private lives. And I do. Mm-hmm. Like, I like them. I mean, not all of them. It never made much sense for Thor to have a civilian identity to me. But a good Superman story should heavily involve Lois Lane. Like, there should be almost more Lois Lane than there should be action scenes. There should absolutely be more Lois Lane than there should be action scenes. So, I don't know, just... Ugh, I don't like that. You mentioned the battle earlier. Holy fuck, it was cool to actually see that battle. Because it's about half, maybe a third of the length in the theatrical cut, the one with the old gods. Mm, Yeah. And you don't actually know that they're all there. You definitely don't know Artemis is there. The only one you see framed close in is Zeus, and they don't say any of their names. Yeah. I liked seeing the Green Lantern there. Like, anytime I actually saw Green Lantern moments, I was like, hell yeah. Uh, But I was bummed we didn't get more, although that was a studio decision. I I love that the ring considered Darkseid for a second. I mean, he does have will. Yeah. Like, there's there's no getting around it. He has will. Also, Jesus Christ, I would not want to deal with that. That's no. It's over now. But that was a cool little touch. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> Martian Manhunter was originally supposed to be Jon Stewart, and mm. they wouldn't let him have it, so he did a different Jon, uh, which, cool. Great. Yeah. Man, just the battles. In it. Pretty much every action scene was extended. At least a little bit. Oh, of the battle. That's what I was just thinking of. The the ancient battle. Okay. Part of what bothers me is how lazy they were with, like, designing what the humans were wearing. Mm. Like, the armor and stuff. And this is just because I spend a lot of time reading history and stuff. Like, 5,000 years ago. Also, that dude's dressed like a Mongol. (laughs) Okay, you're only off by 3,400 years. (laughs) Like... That reminds me of something. I remember... 
when this movie was like when pictures were first coming out from the set uh-huh. of this movie, and there was a lot of deserved to uh, probably critique of the costuming of the Amazonians compared to what we saw in Wonder Woman. Much more midriff, if I remember, in this version than in and much higher battle skirts. Okay, yeah. I could barely notice that in Snyder Cut because most of their scenes, they were being shown as a fighting force, like in formation, ready to deal with shit. Credited there, like the costume was heavier designed for the male gaze. And, you know, I'm coming at this from a male gaze, so I could be wrong, but I don't think any of the scenes were shot for the male gaze. I I would argue maybe one but I think it was almost deservedly so because it really showed off the core strength of those ladies swinging those hammers. My wife was super into that scene. Like Um, (laughs) she was really into. So here's the thing. Justice cut. Uh, That scene is sexualizes it. uh, They're models first. And I don't know. uh, Like in that cut, you also, you maybe get a glimpse of the black Amazonian in the background for a second, rather than her having speaking lines and an important part of the guard. Just, just, just. Like, I I hope me pointing out these differences make it, like, understandable why I'm so much more excited about having gotten to watch this cut. No, I get it. And as I said, I, while I was watching this, I was like, I bet Tyler fucking loves this. Oh like, God. This was now. I do. I do think it's probably a way better three-hour movie than four-hour movie. I guess really my critiques of it are a lot like Wonder Woman eighty-four. I had a lot of fun while watching it. I don't think a single character did a bad job. Like a single actor, I thought the direction and the script writing didn't work. So I think like there were a lot of fun scenes. I thought there were a lot of fun characters. I thought that it was a bad movie when it comes to like being a movie mm. as opposed to being a superhero experience. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's not a good movie cause it's four hours long. Yeah. And, and I really more than anything else was the, f- it's and weird. It's I its under- own weird incarnation. Cause it's, being split into the seven parts also makes it kind of more like a TV series. Yeah, but as it's I understand, not... he wanted to make it a miniseries, and they said no, so he just did this weird middle ground. I don't like the weird middle ground. Like, just... And part of this is Snyder... We've talked about our issues with Snyder as a director before. He's not a great director, and his movies tend to be way longer than they need to be. Also, I think it was a mistake, and this isn't Snyder's fault, but it was a mistake... To start with the team-up movies. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They should have done this the way they did Marvel. And I get that they wanted to, like... You're giving the writer an impossible task. If you're like, you have to introduce... Aquaman, Flash, enough of Wonder Woman, Batman, and Superman that, like, we get where they're at in this movie. So from what I understand was when they were filming this, even though Wonder Woman was in production, the finalized script wasn't finished yet. Mm-hmm. So but I mean, there she was, was introduced in Batman versus She was Superman. introduced, but there was things like, they didn't have any direction to go on for Themyscira, for instance. Ooh. They didn't have, like, it was still a year out before the Aquaman script got started, or at least like half a year. So they had nothing for Atlantis. They had nothing for the way they wanted Atlanteans to work. It just, it doesn't work. 
Well, and honestly, think about it. If you had done Flash before this, if you had done, I think Wonder Woman came out before this. Did it? Or was yes. Wonder Okay. But like uh, Flash, Aquaman, and def definitively Wonder Woman before the or, Justice League. No, Wonder Woman was still in development, but BVS had come out and that had introduced Wonder Woman. Either way, Wonder Woman. And the same writer had worked on both. Real time for Wonder Woman and then done Flash and Aquaman. You don't have to introduce those two characters in the same way. You have to meet Batman still, but sure, whatever. You could have taken that, well, one, you could have just taken those, some of those moments out and had less movie. But you also could have given some of that emotional energy into a bit more of Cyborg. I think introducing Cyborg in Justice League was a good idea. I just don't think the rest of it was. Like, it's, it's too many characters. And then they're like, oh, hey, I know it's an after credit scene, but we'll introduce Deathstroke as well. And again, Martian Manhunter. And we'll spare some time for weird kooky Lex Luthor. I don't like kooky Lex Luthor. I, never... I don't like kooky Lex Luthor. And I'm not blaming that actor. I really am not. They've tried it several times. Like, oh, Joker's really popular. We need to make Lex Luthor more of a, like, scenery-chewing kooky villain. And it doesn't work it's not lex lex can chew the scenery but in like i'm so great kind of so one roman technically came out like five months before but they were in production at the same time oh okay who's the breaking bad actor the main one the oh cranston uh, yeah brian cranston he's who i want to be lex luther oh yeah if you can't have clancy brown give me brian Canston. cranston or Michael Rosenbaum, but that was for a very specific thing. Um, so, honestly, both versions I say this of. One of the highlights of the movie for me, or one of the its successes, if not the highlight, mm -hmm. is Ezra Miller had the chips stacked against him when I went into this movie because of how much I've been liking Grant Gustin Flash. I like Ezra Miller Flash quite a bit. I mostly do. I, I don't dis... I know people who really couldn't stand him. I think... I'm trying to I'm trying to vocalize what is wrong with it, and I don't even quite know what it is. Well, the uh, costume for one, but the costume definitely needs a lot everything. of work. A lot of work. <laughs> it looks better than it did in Crisis on Infinite Earths, where it looked super plasticky. Mm. He didn't feel like Barry to me. Okay, I could see him playing Wally West. I could see him playing an older Bart Allen, like Impulse. Hell, I could see him playing Peter Parker pretty well with what he was doing. But he didn't feel like Barry, Barry. Allen to me. Barry's a relatively serious dude, and he's not. But, I mean, Grant Gustin doesn't always feel super like Barry to me either. What Barry is has changed a lot from, like... How I think of him. I also prefer Wally West as the Flash. So again, this is me being like, mm -hmm. how I think comics should. <laughs> Everything I hate about comic books is what I'm doing right here. Or comic book fans. Um, let me put it this way. I thought he was the weakest of the leaguers, but I enjoyed his performance. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Jason Momoa, just because they didn't give Jason Momoa much to do. Oh, he has so much more to do in this. I imagine. Oh, that was one of the weird... This was a really subtle thing, and it didn't jump out at me at first. And it was more when I was looking back and thinking about both movies. 
one of the neat things about this cut is all of the group scenes have at least one or two minutes added, but those one or two minutes are huge. Mm -hmm. Like they make it so that they're actually mostly making decisions as a group. As opposed to just like Batman saying, we'll do this or like, yeah, the theatrical cut is mostly Batman just telling them that this is what they're going to do. And then him getting on wonder woman's case about being like, you're the one that should be telling us that this is what we're going to do. Oh, that's weird. None of that actually works. Like, not that Wonder Woman shouldn't be the one telling them what to do, but... There's a lot more of a, a weird subplot with them in the theatrical cut where he's trying to convince her to step up and be a leader. I love Batman, but letting someone else be in charge has never been Batman's skill set, so that doesn't make any sense. Uh, I would have liked a little more Wonder Woman stepping up. I feel like she didn't have much to do in this story mostly hey look i'm wonder woman mm -hmm. i'm super impressive but not like yeah i do love her theme song every time it came on i was like yeah yeah that didn't sound anything like the theme song sorry uh what uh, i did not like was anytime the amazons were on screen and you had the their uh wailing lamentation in the background <laughs> <laughs> What did we say about Wonder Woman 84? There were like two good movies stuffed into one mm -hmm. meh movie. This feels like that a lot to me, too. Like you could have. And I get that they were like, all right, we're not going to do more of this. Let's just do kind of everything that we wanted to do. But it was so over. How, how was this movie so slow and so overstuffed all at the same time? Snyder, how did you do that? Right. Yeah, because this is like all of the movie and all of the things happen, except for like actual War with Darkseid, which just gets set up and will never get played out. Mm -hmm. However, honestly, I kind of like thinking about the trilogy that this sets up. But You know, I'm not, people keep, you know, I, I've heard you say it on this podcast, Restore the Snyderverse or whatever. I don't want them to restore the Snyderverse. I don't mind them restoring like, you know, DC cinematic tied together universe as opposed to just uh uh it will be if we decide we want this one to like it just yeah mm -hmm. i just don't want necessarily Zack snyder to be the one running it i don't think he wants to be the one running it no, at this point either though not. so which is funny when uh hollywood reporter dc people were like not dc wb people mm -hmm. were like this is uh he's being Fisher's being influenced by Snyder, who's trying to retake DC. And Snyder's like, no, no. what are you talking about? Like, I'll come back, but God, I don't want to, like... It's like, I, I certainly wouldn't mind, like, what I actually wanted to be put out there, put out there. Mm -hmm. Which also, apparently, uh, we didn't go into it, but uh, the writer also did, uh, Chris Terrio did a piece with Vanity Fair uh, in the wake of the Hollywood Reporter thing, where he was just like... Yeah, so when I saw the theatrical cut, I called my lawyer and wanted my name taken off of it. Oh, wow. However, I also want to say about Chris Terrio, this is a little... I didn't know anyone else could have Akiva Goldsman's uh, career trajectory. Remind me who Akiva Goldsman is. I'm going to make sure I'm saying the right guy. But if I remember right, Akiva Goldsman was both the guy that wrote on uh, Batman and Robin but also 
has won an Oscar for A Beautiful Mind. Chris Terrio has written on Batman v Superman, Justice League, Rise of Skywalker, but also won an Oscar for Argo. The Money Jobs and the Passion Project job. Oh, yeah, Akiva Goldsman, I was right. So, yeah, I don't know. To me, especially with what Akiva Goldsman's been put, and not Akiva, what Chris Terrio's been putting out lately, I think he was just like, wait, Vanity Fair wants to talk to anyone involved? <laughs> Please. <laughs> but at the same time, like, yeah, he kind of pretty much backed up everything that we had heard from the Hollywood Reporter piece, too. Yeah. I believe everything Ray yeah. Fisher's saying. I believe with Momoa... That was the skeeviest thing about it, of like, Untitled. Fisher saying stuff, and they're like, Momoa's gonna be making a Frosty the Snowman movie, and Momoa's being like, I'm doing what now? And so now it's indefinitely shelved as Untitled. untitled snowman comedy. Yeah. With Jason Momoa, and he's like, again, what now? Oh, um, I, I saw you mention it, you do have to watch Aquaman. I, I want to. Now, actually, and I'm not going in expecting amazing things. I'm oh, no, you shouldn't. Movie, but like. But you should. It's amazing in the sense that it is all of the movie. They went into it realizing they may never get to make another Aquaman movie. So, so they're just. Doing so it, it they're is making it as all Aquaman. of the Aquaman. They're just as Aquaman as they can Aquaman it up. I like that. Like, cool, fun. I'm probably going to watch it tonight now that I think about it. I don't got anything going on. God, he had so much fun in some of those scenes. You could tell. Jason Momoa likes playing Aquaman. And studios like putting Jason Momoa shirtless in water. I don't blame them. I'm a straight man, and I was like, that's pretty fucking hot right there. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> ah, I got it when the chick sniffed his sweater. <laughs> oh. oh, that, that... weirded me out when it's like, nah, I'm not interested. I'm going into the water. And like the creepy Norwegian or Scandinavian women singing and as Bruce is just like, I don't know what's going on. I'm going to leave. That, that singing bit was completely unnecessary. I thought that was really neat considering the way it plays in the theatrical cut is it turns into a pure trailer moment and they just start playing the white stripes, icky thump. I don't know either way, which one I like less, but I just didn't like, why are they singing? What are they singing? But once again, they I sound like creepy witch women and not in like the fun way. Once again, though, I'm also completely on board with seeing a version of the story where these characters are being portrayed as gods and demigods, so that plays into the mythological aspect. I kinda guess like, I just would have liked them to play it up a little... It's kind of like how they took two and a half minutes showing the entire ritual of um, shooting off the arrow of Artemis to light the fire. Yeah. Uh, I... I... Just if we're going to look at, like, Aquaman being, like, weird sea god guy, the scene where he uh, brings in the sailor who was, like, stuck in the storm, takes the whiskey and is like, tell him to respect the storm more next time, and literally just walks into a wave and disappears, does it so much better. And it was fun, as opposed to just weird women singing, like... <laughs> I didn't get the God scene in that. I just, I, I see how they were trying for it, but it's not what I felt. Mm. I also have trouble thinking of Aquaman as a God. Like he's Aquaman. However, I'm pretty sure that every Aquaman from here on out should probably be Pacific Islander. I don't know. I think he's still blonde, but they did 
seriously change Aquaman to look more like Momoa recently, like the tattoos and stuff. More simplified, because just imagine trying to draw those tattoos. Uh, he's back to angry 90s pirate Aquaman with the long hair and the beard, which is what Aquaman should look like as far mm -hmm. as I'm concerned. It doesn't make a bunch of sense underwater because they probably shouldn't have any hair being fish people. But, but it, yeah, it's cool. It it just <laughs> changes it up. Aquaman, depending on the version, Aquaman's either the crazy guy that lives underwater or he's the king of Atlantis. Either one of those looks can pull off the, like, long hair and beard way better than the, like, 50s haircuts. Second favorite Aquaman, Brave and the Bold. I haven't seen those episodes, but I believe it. Outrageous. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. John DiMaggio voicing him. Oh, that I'm in for. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> um, any version of Angry 90s Pirate Aquaman, I'm pretty much in for. I have no idea, but, like... Take off his shirt and give him a hook hand and a like uh, scruffy scruffy beard, and I'm suddenly like ten times more interested in Aquaman. It's it's weird to say it about this movie, considering how much it's about, like I said, kind of setting these characters apart in a weird way. But this does also feel like the more heartfelt version because it uh, minuses all the fucking stupid ass quippy weed and shit. And I, actually, I'm going to say I like some of that stupid-ass quippy shit because there is one Whedon scene that I desperately miss. Whedon's good at quips. But he puts them in the wrong spot sometimes. Yeah, what, what's the scene that you... There was uh, one scene in the theatrical cut where when they're on their way to the final battle that uh, Momoa accidentally sits on the lasso of truth. Oh, they've done that a few times, and I always think that's kind of fun. Yeah. And he's fucking just telling the team what he is thinking in the moment. What's he... Is it just, like... It's just all sorts of, like... He ranges the gamut from, like, checking out one Roman to being, like, fuck, like, I can't believe we're doing this. Like, we're doing all the... Like... <laughs> yeah. I liked the kind of... It was a very quiet moment, but... Uh, he's like, it's messed up. We're just doing this to this kid. Like I thought you didn't care. And he's like, I didn't say that. Like he's like, and I I enjoyed that. Like, all right, I'm a dick, and I'm gonna call out stupidity, but it doesn't mean that I don't care. Mm -hmm. The problem was they made such a big deal about how this is basically a death sentence for cyborg, and then the moment that he steps into the mother boxes, he's fine. Like, oh, you could live perfect life. And he's like, no, nah, I'm good. Done. So about 80% of the Superman stuff is different. My only complaint about the Superman stuff is the black suit. It's my only real complaint there. And I don't mind that he had the black suit for parts of it. But when they have a line like, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Alfred is saying, you know, when you don't have a way to fight the bull, you don't shake the red cape. And he's like, not when it's this red cape. And then he, they don't give Superman the red, like, they literally use a red cape to reference him, and then they don't give him the red cape. Right. If they brought him back in the black suit, and then later on he changes again, great, fine. I would have been perfectly okay with it. But when he pulls open his shirt in the classic Superman look, and it's still the black suit underneath it, it pulled me out of it. It just didn't feel like Superman anymore. I don't have a whole lot of 
Like, it looks kind of cool, but I don't have a lot of love for the black suit Superman. I think Superman should be bright, vibrant colors, which is the Lee Snyder thing of all time. <laughs> Ooh, colors. This movie was completely regraded. I'm not surprised. It's Snyder. But some of that is amazing because that entire last battle in the theatrical cut is done under... You know how it looked when uh, Steppenwolf still had his shield up around his building? Yeah, kind of reddish. That was the entire sky, the entire battle. I feel like that's a Crisis on Infinite, Infinite Earths reference. You know? I think so, too. But it was horrendous. Just it was work. terrible on my eyes. It is just god-awful to look at. Oh, that's the thing that made me laugh when they're like, having their, like, cool running moment in their, like, 90th minute of slow-mo. Uh, and uh, Wonder Woman's riding the Batmobile and Aqua... No, I don't know. Someone's riding Aqu uh, Batmobile and uh, Flash is running next to it. And they're all having this, like, yeah, we're going in. I'm like, Flash is having the most relaxed, like, morning jog right here when everyone else is just full speed ahead. And he's like, eh, it's fine. All right, it was in both versions, but full-on one of my favorite things in a fucking superhero movie ever is when they're holding back Superman when he's f wigging out that first time. Flash tries to speed up and go around him, and then you see that eye turn. That was really good. I've seen that. I'm like, oh, Superman's going to look to the right. Superman's going to... And he does. I'm like, yeah! I like my poor wife watching this movie with me. Just <laughs> <laughs> That is so cool. Just like, boom. And then they still make him just a tiny bit slower, mm -hmm. but it doesn't matter because he's got that power. Because he's still Superman. Like yeah. You only have to hit him once. I said evil Superman shows no interest to me, but newly reborn, not sure what's going on in punching things, Superman? Yeah, that's fine. I have no problem with that scene. It was just the, like, him looking sad and dark side putting, like, a friendly hand on his... I don't, I don't want that. I don't have any interest in Fallout DC. I do want to say I I was talking about this with one of my buddies at work and he's like, I don't know, man. He's like, I don't I don't know if I want to watch it just because I heard at the end that Superman goes evil because Lois dies and he just teams up with Darkseid. And I'm like, Darkseid might show up, but if you like, were you still watching this on a tiny screen? No, I've you've like upgraded it. like it is very obvious that he's. Not being dominated by the anti-life equation when he shows up as evil Superman at the Pretty end. Pretty sure, yeah. Like, um, this isn't just, like, he wigged out because Lois died. It doesn't help that I watched that in Superman, the animated series, when I was, like, 10, and no one's done it better since. Mm -hmm. I did hear that he wanted to have a storyline of Batman and Lois Lane in a relationship together and like it's Batman's fault that Lois dies or something like that, which I was not into. And it's not the first time they've had like Batman and Lois Lane are together and making Superman jealous. It's never worked for me. I feel like I'm... Lois, Lois has to take the idiot ball for her to take that long to realize that Bruce is like not just idiot playboy. I'm not going to lie, the, the idea of Batman and Wonder Woman has always interested me a little bit more whenever they've thrown that idea I around. like it much better. It's not... Which they, they do a little bit of the cute rom com in this, and but then, then they, they back off of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually don't dislike 
Batman and Wonder Woman. It's one of those that I'm like, it's never going to happen. Right. But they have that spark of like in a different life, those two would have been like great together. Mm-hmm. And that I enjoy. When they're like, nope, one true pairing, and eh, I don't feel it. But that's Selena Kyle. But <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not Talia Al Ghul. I mean, I'm maybe throw out Silver St. Cloud. I knew you were gonna <laughs> Why Silver? She's No, least. I'm just throwing that out as a fucking joke answer. I don't know. I I've met people who argued for that, and most people are like, who's Silver St. Cloud? I'm like, exactly. That's the reason I throw it out there as an or, answer. <laughs> um, oh, God, what's her name? They tried to introduce a basically Lois Lane for Batman. She was the romantic interest in the first Batman movie by Tim Burton. Oh. Um, Vicky Vale? Vicky Vale! Which I mostly remember from the first episode of Chuck, where someone mentions Vicky Vale, and he's just going, Vicky Vale, Vicky Vicky Vale. <laughs> that's it. It's the most interesting thing that's ever happened with Vicky Vale. I don't, man. I know I just keep bringing up the differences now, and no, I said that, I, and I said I wasn't going to do that, but it's just kind of weird the way it changes things. Like, there's a big through line and big deal made in the theatrical cut that parademons smell fear, and so that's how the final battle kind of deals when they. When they turn it around on Steppenwolf enough, he starts to feel fear and his parademons just turn on him and push him back through a boom tube. Like, I think this was a little, like, even I think this was a little bit of overkill how they finished him off in this one. Stab him through the chest with a trident and then cut his head off and throw him through a boom tube? Yeah. But comparatively? If I am going to accept them being way more murder happy, then it's pretty cool. Yeah, we know that I'm not a murder happy superheroes kind of guy. So yeah, but um, I am kind of I. By that point, I was so sick of the slow mo that I was like, God, not again. I have a pro- I have a different problem with the nightmare sequence than you did, and it's that it makes me hopeful for the f- rest of the story, and we're not gonna get it. You know, part of me kind of loves that with the number of... it, And this is a very meta-comic book thing for me. And I know he argued they were... Because DC didn't want him to do future movie references. Mm-hmm. Like, that's part of the story. That's how comic books work. And he's right. But part of me on meta level loves him introducing new storyline concepts that are never going to happen. Because there are so many comic book series that only lasts six to 12 issues that they try really hard to like drop some hints on future plans that are going to be super interesting that they never get to do. Um, so that felt very like true to the medium for me. Even if I, even if I didn't want that scene, like part of me liked that with the story he has been telling though, it made sense to put it back in because Otherwise, there's a couple scenes in BVS that make no, no sense, sense whatsoever. whatsoever. Yeah, Which they didn't make sense then either. But um, there was one. I'm going to compliment and critique something all at the same time, and it's the Batman Joker scene. I am so we've discussed this. I am so uninterested in the Joker anymore, which is too bad because he was a pretty great Batman villain before he just felt like the incel poster boy to me. But, like, the the whole thing of them forcing... I don't know. It just didn't grab me. 
But the part I did like was Batman, like, basically being like, Harley Quinn made me promise to kill you, and I'm going to fucking answer that. And Joker getting legitimately, like, mad, because, like, in the, like, incel shitty part of his soul, not being able to accept that Harley Quinn wasn't his property. Mm -hmm. I appreciated that. But they also fridged Harley Quinn in this alternate future, so eh. And Aquaman, unfortunately. <laughs> I had less problem with that because, uh, do you know what I mean when I say they fridged her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fridges? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know what you mean, but I was just like, <laughs> I'd rather see him in the future. No, I, the, okay, I had a weird thing with the, the, my, I actually like Leto's performance as the Joker better in Suicide Squad. Really? I've heard most people say the other way around. I think his... I think the way he's needling Batman in this one feels more on point and jokery to me. Mm -hmm. But he seems... I don't know. I've said this before. I know I'll say it again. Uh, his portrayal of the Joker in the Suicide Squad is the only Joker I have ever believed could have henchmen working for him. Mm, yeah. I've never understood. No one understands why people work for the Joker. They've made entire comics trying to explain it. And this has, and I felt like this one just fell back to a Joker that I've seen before. And I thought that one was interesting. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Uh, a Joker that sometimes was crazy and sometimes was acting crazy and you weren't ever quite sure which. Mm -hmm. It was weird. I don't know how I feel about Amber Heard. And I'm not going to get into the big fight on abusive allegations mm -hmm. between her and Johnny Depp. It's kind of made me decide I just don't want anything to do with either one of them. Because I kind of find it believable on both sides. Mm -hmm. I just said I wasn't going to go into it, and then I gave my opinion. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but it was weird to see her, because on one level, I was like, Mara should be the person. Mara should be Aquaman, honestly. Like, she has all of Aquaman's shit. And she can control water. Like, that's so much... Why is she not on the Justice League more often instead of Aquaman? But also, I just, as I said, I don't really want much to do with Amber Heard. See, I... If you're gonna do any sort of time jump anyway, then I... Give me fucking Calderon. That's my Aquaman. Yeah. If we're gonna talk about the Aqua characters, Calderon is far and away the strongest member of the Aquaman family. And not just, like... Physically, just the most interesting character. Absolutely. I, fuck. Honestly, if you want a good DC representation, stop listening to this podcast. Don't stop listening to this podcast. Stop watching this fucking movie. Go watch Young Justice. Yeah. Bam. Recommendation. It's not, but... <laughs> Maybe? It might, actually. It might be. Do we have anything else to say about this? I feel like we've just been... I don't know. Like, there's a lot that could be... Because there's just a lot of fucking movie. There's four hours of not much happening, but everything is happening at the same time. It's confusing. Um, I'm still up in the air on a couple of the changes, like even though I'm on board with finding out. I don't know if I'm I keep saying well, I'm bored with it. I don't I don't want this version of superheroes to be superheroes all the time, but I am on board with seeing what Zack Snyder's version of superheroes are. Because I find it an interesting experiment. And it's a an interesting analog to bring. Here's kind of how I think about it. Because 
Mm-hmm. Superheroes can be an, almost any kind of story. I'm a big proponent of that. You know, there's great Punisher stories, even if I'm not mm-hmm. a thing for it. I think that Zack Snyder tells some really interesting superhero stories. And I think even when, because he did Watchmen too, didn't mm-hmm. he? And like, it didn't turn out great, but I thought there were some interesting ideas in it. Just, it didn't work for Watchmen. I don't think his idea works as the foundation for of a, a wider universe. But if he just got a trilogy of, it could even still be the Justice League, but in its own standalone little world, and then had their own shared universe beyond that, I think it would have worked much better. Mm -hmm. But I also really love his cast. So if there's a Restore the Snyderverse, it's... For the cast. Let's have this cast and then let James Gunn take over. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Actually, no, that's it. Restore the (laughs) Gunniverse. The the Gunstice League. But I guess what I was getting at is... Justice Guns. Even with being on board with seeing his vision, like some of the changes still felt kind of weird to me. Like uh, the Wonder Woman saving the kids from the terrorists was a lot more violent in this version. Fair. It did have, Cece pointed this out, one of the more likable things about Wonder Woman is the moment that she immediately, like she's super badass. And then the moment she's done being a badass, she's kind of a goof. Mm-hmm. She's just like, oh, kids, let's see, kid, that's great. I I enjoy that, like that dichotomy of the character in a way that she's aloof and badass goddess woman, but also she knows how to deal with kids and likes kids. And I just, I don't know. I And I don't know why it threw me so much, but it was just, I don't know. Something about it felt weird because I don't know. The, the, in the theatrical cut, that scene is much shorter but I do like the flow of the action of it more. This felt jerky as well as just being... I think we have terrorists, but secretly we're just nihilists that want to blow ourselves up. Ha ha ha. Is the laziest way of explaining why there are terrorists (laughs) that she has to fight. Why are they terrorists? I don't know, because of terrorism. All right. Okay, like, just at that point, fuck it. Just make Cobra. Like... Yeah. If you're going to have them have cartoon supervillain reasoning, just let them be cartoon supervillains and make it all the more over the top when she takes them out. Even though he didn't really get to do anything, I like that they restored Ryan Choi just to hear the name drop. I just love that Easter egg. I like that name drop. I was like, oh, Ryan Choi. Hey, Ryan. What's up, bud? Like, like, okay, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I I wish I could see the vision play out because this this story hasn't been finished. But it's also, like I said, way better than what I had before. And I will end up rewatching it. And especially because they put out the Justice is Grey edition. And I'm curious about the black and white version. Of oh, this. yeah. He wanted to make it black and white. They wouldn't let him for obvious reasons. I think I'll rewatch this again, but it'll probably be like I'm working on art projects rewatching. Mm. Like put it on in the background while I'm working on stuff. So like, oh, hey, a fun scene. Oh, I liked this scene. Like pause, watch the scene go back to whatever I'm working on during the like next 40 minutes of nothing that much happening. Oh, and the uh, one, three, three to one ratio was really neat. I don't know what that means. I'm sorry. Uh, the aspect ratio. Oh, okay. Widescreen is 1.86 to one, I believe. And that's what, you know, what we normally see mm-hmm. theater, you know, and fucking widescreen releases and shit. And so back in the day when we would get full screen releases, the the four to three, 
it would be the widescreen, and then you would cut the four to three out of the middle, so you'd be missing all the information. Yeah, on and the it sides. hurts a lot of movies and shows when they bring it to. So in this case, this filming of the one three three to one, what was actually cut was the one eight six to one was cut out of the middle. Weird. Okay. Instead of the other way around, so this was actually everything that was shot. This was everything fully framed the way it was supposed to be because uh, Zach really likes doing full body shots and this is way more conducive to that. All right, that's interesting. I think I'm going to go home and watch Aquaman now, but it's <laughs> just Zach, but it is Jason Momoa. Dude, I, I had so much fun watching that movie. Like, I, I liked it better than Birds of Prey. Still do. I bet you we're going to fight on this, but I am going to have fun with it. Green Goblin as Valko is still hilarious to me. He looks so out of place as, like, armored, long-haired weirdo. Um, oh, dude, and they... Uh, you're going to love they do Ocean Master's costume, just... It's pitch perfect from what I remember from the trailers. Anyway... Uh, I'm done with Justice League for now. I, yeah, I think I, we're good. I could pull up something else to say, but I'm already stumbling. So. Nah, and we're way into this. Uh, next week, we will... Not next week. Next time, we're going to be continuing this trend. I will finally watch Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame. We're going to discuss... We've gone from the League. Let's go to the Avengers. And me being like the last person on Earth who has not seen these movies... I'm so excited that I have the excuse to rewatch them because I haven't watched them since I've, I haven't watched them since theaters, even though I bought them both. So I have not watched the copies that I actually own yet. I would judge you, but I have like four comic books in my truck that I haven't read yet and more at the house. So it is. So it's going to be me finally watching these on my TV in 4K on these fucking 4K versions that I bought year ago what i'm Two really curious ago. about because i've managed just because i'm a comic guy i've picked up a ton of what happens in these movies i'm curious to see what surprises me or like what i didn't know to expect or what you knew but plays out way differently than the way you had heard it but that is next time uh before we go do we have any recommendations for the week I feel like you might have brought this up as a recommendation at one point, but... Um, you recommend Jason's? Just mean it's better. Uh, Matt Wagner's Trinity. It's so good. If you want Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman to meet, I can't think of a better one than that. Because it's that. It's the newly... I mean, Because there was never an official meetup originally, right? Not like, all three at the same... Yeah, I can't think of the time like when Batman and Superman... First met Wonder Woman. Right. They never really did that story. They just suddenly, yeah, they just were suddenly working together. So whatever year this was done was, oh, Trinity's older. Trinity is, uh, how old is, I was just looking at it. There was a Trinity series around. No, originally published 2004. The Matt Wagner version. I'm, let me, because there was a different Trinity series that was not Wagner around that time. Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Trinity, three-issue comic book series published by DC in 2003. Wow, I am just wrong. I thought that was like 10 years. Matt Wagner's art exploded in the last 10 years. In the last, like, 15. Because, I mean, it's good in Trinity. 
But where it is by like uh, Grendel meets the shadow, it's a different world. Mm -hmm. But anyway, yeah, uh, I guess the idea is is that like there was no definitive story to point to to be like this is their first mission together. So Matt Wagner got the job. So let's see it. Oh, his Wonder Woman. He draws Wonder Woman how I want Wonder Woman to be drawn. She's gorgeous. She's sexy. She is also built like a brick shit house. Look, minor spoiler. Matt Wagner does this in a lot of his things uh, that he crosses over into other people's work. But he gives explanations for things that I never knew I wanted explanations for. And so, like I said, minor spoiler, avert your ears for like 10 seconds. I love that he explains how Superman can always uh, find Batman. Because <laughs> he's the one person without a heartbeat? Or... No, because he's the one person carrying all those fucking listening devices that you can hear all the frequencies of. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Fuck. Man, maybe I'll read that while watching Aquaman. Um, <laughs> so I will go with Aaron Menke's, with Aaron Menke's podcast. It's really just all three of the ones he does. He does lore, which was adapted to a TV show. He does cabinet of curiosities, which I'm pretty sure I've recommended before, which is just two short stories and, uh, unobscured, which is a deep dive into like a single story all season long. Like first season was Salem witch trials. Most recent one was Jack the Ripper, but it's not really so much about Jack the Ripper as about like what Victorian London was like then. And like, you know, it's really an examination of a different era of police brutality and women's rights and how we are not good to sex workers as cultures, but through the lens of everything that was going on in Jack the Ripper territory and like the, the parts of that we don't talk about mm -hmm. because we just like to kind of fetishize the guy that stole hearts and kidneys and stuff. I, I as someone who has listened to several Jack the Ripper podcasts, <laughs> so like I get it. Good storytelling, surprisingly relaxing voice for a dude that's like, and then her heart was cut out. Aaron Mankey, grim and mild. I like it. I'll say I'm I'm a little bit used to, and then her heart was cut out. No, it's not that part that throws it. It's <laughs> yeah, just know. like, I have gone to sleep listening to Aaron Mankey speak before, and what he's saying is horrifying, but he's just so soothing with his voice that I... I'm like, okay, okay. I think I can do this. No, that's fine. No, tell me more brutal details. Let's do this. Yes, tell me about A.A. Holmes' murder castle. H.H. H.H. Holmes, thank you. I tried to mix the creator of Winnie the Pooh with the fucking murder <laughs> castle guy right there. A.A. Milne and H.H. Holmes. Milne had some weird... Th anyway, that's... Milne was a, a weirdo. Yeah. Uh, that's it, right? Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, we are your generals of nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. Dismissed. Hi everybody, General Tyler here. If you like the show, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us right now, or preferably over at Apple Podcasts, we would super appreciate it, as the whole world is around on algorithms, and we want to be all up in them, getting our voice out to more places. Uh, also, I mean, tell your friends, we always appreciate that. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, ask us questions, give us comments, Email us, generalnerderypod at gmail.com. You can also contact us through our website, www.generalnerdcast.com. Uh, while you're there, check out all of our back catalog, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network. Uh, go check out all of our sister shows. 
We're involved with most of them, so if you already like listening to us talk, it might be in your best interest. And if you want to check out everything from the network, head over to earvrm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. We'd super appreciate it. Love you all. Have a good one.